0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 3 of Footmarks in which I, Bhairam Kazi, talked to Jared Kimber about his work of course and today we're actually going to talk about his piece, The Baseball Shuffle and for those of you who don't know what that exactly means well, in the baseball era, about 5 of England's batters have been batting outside their crease versus fast bowlers and this in turn has also prompted some of the opposition captains to bring up their wicket keepers so lots happening over there Jared, I'd like to ask you first up, when did you notice this tweak and, well, what really inspired you to write a piece on it?
1: So, Ben Stokes had been, and Josh Butler had been doing it a couple of years back. And so I thought it was very interesting that it was their two most attacking batters who were doing it, right? You know, there, there was something about that. And I remember, I, you know, I was probably on Talksport at the time and, and we were talking about it. And I think Ben Stokes might have come over. and don't know, I can't remember if I was in the conversation or not, but he was talking to me about it. And he was sort of saying, you know, sometimes the bowlers are a bit slow. I don't really like medium-paced bowlers, you know, so I just want to come down and, and sort of sharpen myself, he was saying a little bit. And Butler was doing a similar sort of thing. And again, they're both guys who average in the 30 in test cricket, but obviously very good white ball players at, at various stages, especially with Butler. Um, and I could see why they were sort of doing that. And then, I reckon when the basketball thing started, one thing I did notice that was that the England players seemed a little bit more on the move, right? Mm-hmm. But and I and I went back to my notes and I saw it a lot that I was writing that, you know, Ollie Pope was coming down the wicket and Zach Crawley was batting out of his creeks, mm-hmm. and all these different things were happening. But then when they got to uh, New Zealand, it really took off when – a couple of the players were running down the wicket and it was like, it was no longer just a couple, like they were really trying to change the length very late of the ball and then the other thing was that the wicket started coming up to the stumps and I think it was the basin mm-hmm. test, the last test of that series. So you had uh, Blundell came up to stumps, I think for roots. Matt Henry. I think it was, might have been Matt Henry. No, no, Matt Henry was later but on the first mm-hmm. day, it's a grassy pitch and the ball's going everywhere. England are counter-attacking and Blundell comes up to the stumps when Daryl Mitchell's bowling and I was like, mm. You don't see that very often because even Daryl Mitchell's most likely going to get a wicket, probably caught behind, right? Or caught in the cordon. And they're taking Mm -hmm. that away by basically, you know, having the keeper up at the stumps. And then as the test match went on, uh, England did it with Stuart Broad bowling with Daryl Mitchell. And now I was like, okay, what do these people have in common? And then by the end of the test match, as you said, uh, Blundell's up at the stumps for Matt Henry. And it's like, no person should be able to stop Matt Henry. Not sure you should for Stuart Broad, but you certainly shouldn't for, for Matt Henry at, at this point. And, I, I you know, Soham was working for Crickviz. And I just, I said, how do we work this out? It took us forever to work out a metric because no one has like a thing that says, came down the wicket to fastballs. We actually, mm-hmm. some people do mark that for spin. I think Optum might do it. I think Crickinfo might keep that stat, Maybe uh, Buzz as well. But it's not like something that people keep. So we had to like, Work out a metric for it. But yeah, that's where it all came about, which was, I think if you go back and read my original baseball pieces, I was saying that what they were doing is they were trying to hit people off their lengths. right? Because that's the most important thing. If, if you're a test bowler, you want to be Vernon Philander. You want to come in and hit hmm. the same line of length over and over and over again. Some days it'll work, some days it won't. You don't want to come in and not know that you can't bowl your best delivery because this person stepped a meter and a half out of the crease and then gone all the way back. Maybe they've now walked across. Maybe they've now given themselves some room. Suddenly, your best ball is moving as you're coming in to bowl. That's way harder to replicate, right? Look at how look at how good bowlers are at hitting their, uh, their best line of length of a test match compared to how good bowlers are at hitting Yorkers. Right Now Yorkers are a little bit trickier, but the reason they miss Yorkers by so much is because the batters are moving around everywhere. And when you start <laughs> to do that in test cricket, it imitates it. So it was always in my mind once baseball started, but there's so many other things of baseball that, you know, that you're know that you focusing on. Um, and it really, if it wasn't for Crickviz, I wouldn't have been able to work this out, I don't think.
0: A well, shout out to Crickviz for that and Soham over there. But also, you uh, interestingly mentioned how you've seen this before. And we have seen English batters do this before. Ben Stokes and Joss Butler in particular. And if I recall cor- correctly, Pakistan was touring England. And Ben Stokes was doing exactly this versus Muhammad Abbas. Because Abbas mm. was getting a lot of purchase of those English wickets. And he was quite ahead of his crease just to negate the movement and perhaps even attack a bit so that Abbas can't, you know, bowl a consistent line. So would you say that was the
1: pre-bassball-bassball shuffle? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw Stokes do it. He did it, I think, even before Abbas. But yeah, Mm -hmm. so Abbas is really interesting. The reason why he's interesting is if you take the Stokes element out of it for a moment, he's exactly the kind of bowler i was just talking about right i mentioned mm-hmm. vernon flander i could have vernon used a bus right exactly yeah. similar bowlers you know exactly where they're going to put the ball you know it's not going to be so fast that you're going to get dinged by a short ball right <laughs> um you also know that these are not bowlers who uh, you know for someone who has if you haven't played cricket the when the ball swings right most people swing it almost directly out of the hand and we now know with viz, kind of everyone swings it a little bit out of the hand, but there are people who are very good at swing bowling who swing the ball very late. Right? If you can shorten that period, they have less opportunity to swing the ball if they're swinging it late. So there was always that. The other thing is that the wobble ball specifically needs you to bowl a little bit. Well, I shouldn't say it needs you, but the way it's been bowled in Test cricket is to bowl it a little bit fuller. All of these different things with the bus make him a perfect option to come down. And when I was talking to... Oh, I'm trying to think of who I was talking to recently. I was talking to a cricketer or someone who just talked to a cricketer and they were talking about coming down the wicket. And they specifically said, Come, I'm coming down the wicket as much as possible um, because to nullify m- seam movement, right? And so Muhammad Abbas is like the combination of all of those factors coming <laughs> together. And if you think about it, he's bowling 78, 80, 82 miles an hour, right? Yeah. You don't. have the ability to do that sort of stuff. I think where England have taken it to another level now is they're doing it kind of to everyone and they are backing their overall skills. And it's, you know, you are giving yourself less time to react to the ball, right? You have to be really confident. But if you, if you look at how often they're doing it, there's also, it's not that they're doing it every ball. They only have to do it every couple of balls or every four balls even. That's enough to knock someone off their length. And if you can knock them off their length, that's half the battle, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it isn't just Ben Stokes, right? I mean, we've mentioned a fair few players. You mentioned Zach Crawley, Ollie Pope, and a few others. But I think the most unusual one for me was Joe Root. Because mm. here's someone who plays a lot off the back foot. And if yeah. he's employing the baseball shuffle so frequently, that seems very, very unusual to me. And you did this whole study with Soham at Crickviz. We saw that in that base and reserve innings, Joe Root was striking the ball a meter down
1: than he usually does, yeah. which is quite almost, you know amazing it's so- almost at the three meter mark where he was hitting the ball
0: <laughs>
1: yeah 2.71 yeah you would never hit a ball off a fast bowler there unless you're dean jones and someone's lit, lit mm-hmm. your ass on fire so yeah I, I think you're right i think he's really taken to the baseball style which is mm-hmm. uh, if you think about his test batting and you compare him to williamson smith and Coley, right so the other three guys you can throw Barber in there as well mm-hmm. he's the guy who probably bats the most like the same in all three formats because he's so good at getting off strike. And that works just as well in, in uh, you know, in the middle overs in T20 cricket, certainly works in one day cricket, right? So he was the player that maybe had the most white ball skills in test cricket, not because he's a better white ball player than Virat Kohli, because he is it most probably, right? Mm-hmm. But more to do with the fact that his natural batting was a little bit light bat. And you also saw, was it the first, second or third ball test where he starts playing the reverse scoops and yeah. you're sitting there going, Whoa. We've seen them so frequently since, right? He's probably played he more, yeah. So when, often. <laughs> when he played that first one, I remember like, it broke the internet, right? No one could believe mm. that he played it. And the other day, we saw him play about 10 in three overs, yeah. right? Like it's, <laughs> it's moved, moved so far. And we saw him get dismissed um, playing that shot in New yeah. Zealand as well. And so what I've always said this, and I've never quite made the article, and I'll probably get around to it during the Ashes, but I've always wanted to write about the fact that Joe Root is a very algorithmic cricketer. Mm -hmm. So, Virat Coley is a very aggressive cricketer and Steve Smith Mm -hmm. has one trick, but that one trick is better than anyone else. And Kane Williamson gives himself a little bit of extra time and Baba Azam is technically almost perfect, right? So, they've all got their different things. But where Joe Root is perfect is no matter how you look at him as a cricketer, if someone tells him that there is a slight advantage in something… He will do it. So somewhere at one stage or another, someone told Joe Root early on the safest place to bat is at the non-striker's end, and he's the best <laughs> strike rotator in the world, right? Uh, Moen Khan's brother, whose name I always forget, who trained Joe Root. Nadeem Khan.
0: Oh, that, is that so?
1: Yeah, uh, is that? Well, who, an anecdote. Who did? You, who did you say? What, what did you say his name Nadeem on? Khan. I think that's him. He, so he, he played. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went back to run uh, an academy or something in Pakistan. Is that ah. right? I think that's I mean, right. Moin has an academy. I'm not quite sure about it. The might team, but most academy. recently. Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. Mohin Khan's brother was the professional at Joe Root's team in, God, I've forgotten the name of it, um, but in, been in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, th- there was, there's no doubt that he, from a young age, had been telling Joe Root, when you face spin, there's only two places to hit it, very far forward and very far back right? And he's met, that's what he does. And if you look, even if you want to go as far as his bowling, he bowls off spin, um, mm-hmm. uh, to left-handers and he tries to bowl either, you know, a deuce or a Caron ball or even a leg spinner, occasionally to right hand everything is algorithmically planned, which is part of the reason he wasn't quite as good in test cricket, uh, mm-hmm. as a captain because he, he, there was almost too much. You, you, you need maybe, mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, uh, a slightly different brain for that. So I would have thought that if and I'm assuming this is, we'll get to McCullum again eventually, but I would assume this is McCullum inspired as much as it's Ben Stokes inspired, of once they showed Root why to do this. I think at that point, his brain would have gone, great. Well, it'll work even better for me because when I go back, I play really late. And when I go forward, I'm, you know, he's reasonably tall for a batter um i can get right forward so if you're t- talking about him playing off the back foot where he's probably hitting the ball not far from the stumps at all all the way through to 2.7 meters how can anyone <laughs> find a length to joe root anymore and what he does is he takes it to the extreme and i think that's yeah. the other really interesting thing about him is that we've seen that again and again i'm going to sweep every ball you know mm. that that is the joke oh, i'm going to reverse scoop <laughs> over and over again until you change this line. Whatever it is, he's very extreme in that way. He's not as attacking as Bairstow or Stokes or what Butler was like or Harry Brook. It's not mm-hmm. the same kind of attacking, but once he comes up with a method, he's probably close. I would say of all of everyone in cricket, he's the most all-in with any, any method once he works it out. He's, he's like a, a serial entrepreneur that keeps finding little cracks in the system. Mm. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, no matter where you live, because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply.
0: Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews.
1: You mentioned
0: how uh, in... Or well, during that innings in the Basin Reserve, where Joe Root scored a lot of runs, if I recall, he, he employed the baseball shuffle. He'd do that, and then he'd take a step backwards, and now you're completely messing with the bowler's length, right? Because mm-hmm. he has no idea what Joe Root is going to do. But on a larger or well broader note, just the fact that you know you've got five English batters doing this fairly cons- consistency uh, consistently and regularly, and also you know they get to negate movement, they get to mess with the bowler's lines and it's tough for bowlers to be metronomic when they are going about their basketball shuffle. Is this a fool- foolproof mechanism according to you moving forward in test cricket or are there any caveats to it?
1: I don't think it's foolproof because you, are, you watch Ollie Pope do it and he quite often is on the move And I don't think you want to be on the move that much when you're playing 90-mile-an-hour bowlers. And it'll be interesting to see that, you know, New Zealand's bowls are slightly slower than Australia's bowlers. I almost wonder if this works really, really well if your bowlers are fast-medium, right? Mm -hmm. If they're between 83 and 90 miles an hour, it's like that's a really good plan. Under 83 miles an hour, the wicket-keeper comes up to the stumps, right? If you've got a good Mm -hmm. keeper. So straight away that's harder. Yeah. The second thing is, if it's over 90 miles an hour, how often do you want to come down the wicket to Mitchell Stark mm-hmm. or, you know, Lance Morris or, or Jasprit Bumrah <laughs> or you know, N- Nokia, whoever it is, you know, Mark Wood. Yeah. So I do think there is an element of that which is quite interesting. I should say that I think, oh, and boy, I know this for a fact. Java, me and Dad. Uh, was a master at using the crease and moving around. Mm-hmm. We know that players have done this for a long time. Uh, and you know, and if you've ever played club cricket, you know, you play against a smart club batter and, uh, you know, I mean, oh, I used to do this trick. So i and I wasn't particularly <laughs> smart at cricket, where I would I would bat like a meter and a half out of my crease for one ball. The bowler would bowl his normal length and I'd punch him back past him, I'd take a couple of runs, hopefully get a four if I was lucky. And the next ball I would bat inside my crease and basically wait for the pull shot. Right. Mm. It's that method is very has been used a lot. And I think when I looked at Daryl Mitchell, I think that was something he was doing a little bit more. He likes to bat out of his crease, but then occasionally go back. More in that Jarved dad style, maybe not quite as mm-hmm. as artfully as javed Me and Dad, but that kind of thing. I still think that's a better way of doing it mm-hmm. than um running taking a couple of steps down. However, if you do both, it's very tricky. So I don't know if you've ever played um uh, cricket bear run with the smart bowler. Smart bowlers, if you're fielding at point, will often say, they'll look at you before they come into bowl to ask if the batter's is moving in the crease. Mm-hmm. But even if you say, yeah, he's here, now he's here, or whatever else, they still have to uh, respond to that. Whereas if you're taking the baseball shuffle, mm-hmm. they can see it happening in front of them. And if you are fast enough, I do think you have the opportunity to occasionally just slip a bouncer in and, uh, you know, hopefully knock a tooth out or, you know, rattle them <laughs> a little bit to change it. So I do think there are risks to it, but I also think that, and I don't know how far it goes back. I know me and dad was thought to be a master of it. Richard Hadley talked about him being the best user of a crease he ever saw. I do think that players have always done it, but this is maybe adding a a more extreme version of it. Bowlers will work it out. And my guess is it might be the surprise. If you think about it, the ball that should be toughest to play on the move should be the short ball. Um, And if you've got two or three players out and you know that they're going to keep doing it, uh, and the way that England play, you're gonna, it's going to be hard to duck while you're running. You're probably going to end up doing that. Mm. But until we see it used over a long period of time with, uh, with many different kinds of balls, I don't know. But we might get our answer very soon when Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark bowl bowling it.
0: Yeah, I mean, surely. And I'd really like to see how they fare against Scotty Boland, you know, because he has that metronomic sort of uh, pace and lines and length. So how they employ the ball shuffle versus them would be very, very yeah. interesting. But you mentioned Mia Dad, and you also mentioned 90s ODI cricket in your piece. So I want to just touch up on that a little. So a lot of batters were doing this in the 90s and ODI cricket in particular, where they where they would go for like wild prods outside the crease and just go for a swing and a wild heave and that sort of stuff, which died down in the 2000s and was nearly extinct come 2010s because then batters started to go deep into their crease and, you know, hit those back-of-the-length deliveries or Yorkers and just, you know, you see that a lot these days, people bat deep into their crease. So that version of the shuffle or coming down the track in the 90s, it has some variance with the baseball shuffle and that's what I want you to shed a little light on.
1: Yeah, so you know i'm a little bit older than you so i probably grew up in that era where that became the thing and so java mean that is part of the reason that happened i think that teams worked out what he was doing and it's a i know this is going to sound weird because i just made it sound really easy but it's actually i I, it's very rare to see a batter move around the crease for a long period of time because i think in some cases they forget they focus on other things they maybe they they come back on strike they couldn't remember where they were standing before all these little things and. My understanding of it was that they thought also what changing the length would do and also pretending to change the length, because sometimes you pretend like you're going to run down the wicket, right, would do is put the bowlers off. But they also believed that running at the ball would would allow them to get some power. And so when they were running down the wicket, they were running down the wicket specifically to hit a big shot. No, you know, Dean Jones is probably the guy who made it the most famous and there's a lot of guys doing it in that era, um, and they were running down to hoik the ball as hard as possible, right? And I think everything we know about modern hitting is you want your head still, you want a power base, and, like, you mm-hmm. know, I compare it in the article to, like, you know, Tiger Woods and um, Happy Gilmore, right? Yeah. Like, Tiger Woods makes a lot more sense than Happy Gilmore. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, and anyone who's ever tried to play golf and play a Happy Gilmore shot will tell you it doesn't really work <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> and so, so I think from that perspective, I do think that there is, um, it, there was a bit of flaw in that, in that thinking. And also, the thing I found really interesting when I went back, and there was a, so, it happened so much in Wellington, I had heaps of notes, but also in the highlights you could see, it's quite often they would come down and defend, right? And so quite often they would come down and maybe, uh, Ollie Pope does this one a lot. Ollie Pope's the one I had the most notes on, and I think he does it the most for England, um, although Daryl Mitchell does it a lot more. In general but Olipo will come down sometimes and defend and other times he'll come down and you'll slightly over pitch and he'll just turn it around the corner for one hmm. right that's very different to the 90s well when you came down you know some <laughs> if you want to look at some of the highlights of Dean Jones it's just big big swings right and they hmm. were and Dean Jones was good as it there were heaps of players who were not as good as it as Dean Jones and they were doing it and they did it for a very very long time and I think that the way they're doing it now makes a lot more sense and in, in fact, if I don't know if this is going to become Vogue again in T20 cricket, because you see little, little bits of leave increase, but not as much. Um, mm-hmm. but I think if it's going to become Vogue again in T20 cricket, it will be the way that they, they currently do it, which is get an early movement in just to put the bowler off enough and then try and get your head still and put yourself in a good position rather than the, King Jones is the wrong way of putting it, but the, the 90s slog method, right? <laughs> where. Your, your head's everywhere. And yeah, if you hit it, it's going to go well. But, you know, um, there's a lot of terrible shots that were played in that era as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, Afridi comes to mind and, and yeah. so does Baz McCullum, right? But we'll get to that and the impact of the baseball shuffle. But before, I just want to discuss this one anomaly in your piece, of course, which is probably my favorite part of the entire read. And that is the anomaly of Harry Brook. So all of these batters, they're trying the baseball shuffle. They're using it to good measure and have you know, are close to mastering it and stuff like that, it has reaped rewards for them. But Harry Brook is someone who is doing the exact opposite, right? Mm -hmm. This guy is someone who, regardless of the format, will go deep into the crease and he will just heave over mid-wicket or just go for one of those wild slogs and just clear the inner ring fielder, right? We've seen him do that a fair few times. And whether it's test cricket, whether it's white ball cricket, he doesn't care. He almost premeditates the short ball. We saw this against Neil Wagner in that Basin reserve test. And I believe the test before that as well. And it was interesting because he does this so fearlessly that even when Wagner bowled it full, he still got a boundary off of it. And that is an insane bit of skill in my book. So, I mean, is that good strategy on Harry Brooks' part? And, you know, I mean, this is something that is... Out of character for this England team, if you look at the vast majority of the batters.
1: Yeah, I think him and Barrasso were the only two regular England batters I didn't find who did who did this. I think Folks did it as well, and, and Broad did it. I can't remember if I mentioned Broad in in the, in the piece in the end. Um, so kind of everyone did it, right? And then Brook and besto didn't. Barrasso, I think, was hitting the ball so well at that time, maybe didn't see a need to do it. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Brook, I think. He's the only one of these players who probably hasn't played much cricket at the top level in that wobble ball era. Mm-hmm. And he also came into the team a little bit later than everyone else. And I wonder if Your- he just already had his method. I would be interested to see if in a year's time, if he's still playing in test cricket, if he isn't doing it occasionally. Just mm-hmm. to add um, something uh, a little bit different to to his his game. But he's yeah. still doing... I suppose the, the basball method for me is really using white ball tactics in red Bull cricket and brooke's still doing that he's just not using the exact same kind of tactics that some of the other players are using mm. and so when we talk about joe root before he's kind of doing everything or some other players ollie robertson probably maybe doing slightly less but he's he's focusing on going down the wicket whereas brooke is focusing on his power game right which is this is what i want to do and i want to clear my leg and if i do this it's going to go into the other area so it will be interesting to see if Brooke continues that, but he's still doing he's still doing the basic thing that everyone else is doing just mm-hmm. with slightly different methods him and besto. Something that's not in the piece um, but was in a, a recent video, and article I did as well about Lorcan and Tucker. Lo and Tucker's mm-hmm. doing it too right? And he's doing it very similar to how the England players were doing it, but he was doing it even more dramatically than Root was. So he was taking two and three steps down the wicket sometimes. I I never, I I forgot to ask what his interception points were, but I think some of them would have been around that three metre mark even further. But also, he was doing the big Andre Russell step back onto the stumps Mm -hmm. in a test match. So he must have had three, three and a half metres between his interception points at different times. Um, Mm -hmm. Which again tells you, like, how this isn't an England thing, um, that it is moving to everyone else. And so I think in and Tucker's case, that's how he feels comfortable attacking in white ball cricket. Whereas in Harry Brooks' case, he, as you said, he likes the power stance, he likes to get into his position, and he backs his incredible hand-eye coordination. And I think Bairstow's probably quite similar. Whereas if you look at Ollie, um, I, I was about to say Ollie Robinson. I probably said Ollie Robinson 10 times in this when I mean Oli um, Ollie, um i think i've been saying ollie pope i don't know there's too many ollies i don't understand why there's so many ollies anyway there's like a bunch of ollies like <laughs> in scottish cricket as well there's ollies everywhere over here at the moment but um yeah i think um I, I think the difference is in the way that you attack in white ball cricket then comes across to the red ball game and so in ollie pope's uh way and Luke and tucker's way they're doing it in this style whereas harry brooke is doing it in a completely different style um mm-hmm. as well and i didn't go into the pakistan angle on this but mm-hmm. I, I think rizwan baba and there was another pakistani batter one maybe one of the other top order players who also had really really forward in, its interception points mm-hmm. and i would say that that is on flat pakistan wickets where they are batting out of their crease occasionally to do that right. so then you have so straight away you have three very distinctive ways that people are still attacking and still trying to score um in test cricket and knock people off their length but if they all if you if you watch Ollie pope and you watch Harry Brooke, and you watch Barbara Azam, none of them look like each other. But they're all essentially trying to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, that is uh, really, really interesting. And yeah, I agree with you on the Ollie thing. There's a lot of Ollies now. Ollie Robinson, Ollie Pope, Ollie Stone.
1: If if you have even a similar (laughs) sounding first name to another person, like my brain just mashes everyone together. (laughs) And it really, like, I, I just wish that, if everyone's names, I'm the only person who played in the world who thinks this, if everyone's names were numbers, I'd be in such a better position. <laughs> well, people who've watched you enough will know about
0: this because of the Chris Green no. howler that is very, very frequent. Don't, <laughs> get, me on, don't get me on my yeah. Albert
1: Brooks, um, uh, Brian Dennehy, <laughs> uh, Brian Cox thing yeah. where uh, I get confused. So yes, no, you're right. I do that with the Kusals from Sri Lanka Kosal oh.
0: Pereira Costa Mendes I always mix them up yeah. but the Mitchells uh, anyways, for maybe, ages
1: like I don't know how yeah. many times I'd said the wrong Mitchells and even now I like I still have to go did I say McClanigan Satna, Marsh <laughs> Stark Sorry, go. Swepson? Yeah, well, oh my god, there's a lot of Mitchells.
0: Yeah, Swepson as well and Johnson's retired. But anyway, you spoke of Mitchell and he is also part of my next talking point. Another Mitchell. Daryl Mitchell of course. <laughs> and But well, his, his last name is Mitchell, so a little different. But you know, let's talk about the baseball shuffle overall from a macro lens if we look at it. It helps uh, batters put opposition bowlers you know, off mm-hmm. length. It messes with their lengths and it doesn't allow them to be as metronomic as they would usually be. So, lucky for Gre- Glenn McGrath that He's not around uh, in this day and age, I suppose. And you know that has been the norm in Test cricket: bowl line and length, bowl in the channel, that corridor of uncertainty. You'll surely get an edge at some point, and don't give the bat- batter a lot of room. So this is what is being impacted by the baseball shuffle. And Daryl Mitchell is a great example because he's doing it more than me- more than most. Yep. He is employing this probably in the most perfect manner. Because in your piece, you know, you mentioned that ever since the start of baseball he's been averaging 70 with the batch. Yeah. And that is ridiculous. And he's got runs versus England. He got runs uh, recently, I think. Um, what was it? Perhaps he got them versus Pakistan. I can't quite recall. But anyway, he's got runs, runs he's everywhere, doing this. I think. I think yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's someone who's really, really nailing this technique. And on that same note, you also mentioned Baz McCullum. This is someone who used to step out of his crease many a times, and that used to be kind of his style. It's not that he couldn't do other things, but he would do this fairly often. And whenever McCullum would charge down the Bitch, you would get excited, right? You would be like, oh, action, something's about to happen. And he'd connect them more often than not, particularly in the 2015 World Cup. So how many batters in the future or in contemporary cricket do you see adopting the shuffle? And how big of an impact is this going to have on test cricket at large?
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned McGrath because KP used to try this against mm. because he would, And it's exactly what I was saying before, is in his mind, by the time he faced McGrath, McGraw wasn't that quick anymore, so he could come mm. down. Mitchell and McCullum are really interesting because of how different they are. So I went back and I've gotten notes of Daryl Mitchell taking a shuffle down the wicket before playing, but I couldn't find any highlights of it. Um, and so that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It just means that he didn't do it on balls. He was dismissed on or hit boundaries off, right? which is, which is fine. That's a perfectly normal thing to have happen. Um, I, I back my notes in that situation. But what I did find over and over again was Daryl Mitchell batting a foot two feet outside of his crease you know um you know situations (laughs) like that where there was absolutely no doubt that he was um trying to put someone off and also the fact that he's so tall that when he takes a step forward you know it's a massive um step forward and so he's completely changing the length over and over again but when you watch him it doesn't look like that and i did wonder if part of his success is that he's automatically changing the length, and and we know that you know there's a bit of an obsession at the moment with tall bowlers, um, and sort of, sorry, tall batters, I should say, and how they can get on top of the length and and upset bowlers. And you, England, you know, Zach Crawley and Matt Renshaw is probably another one that they've thought of with with that sort of stuff. So we know that that exists out there at the moment. And so Daryl Mitchell's been incredibly successful in this period where bowlers are bowling a little bit fuller and you've got a tall guy batting out of his crease who can take advantage of that with these big, strong drives, which I suppose is the last part of the puzzle that you need. So Brendan McCullum's very, very different because Brendan McCullum's is a bit more like, it's almost like a combination of Harry Brook and the way that those guys are running out in the 90s because he's coming out, And when he comes out, he's trying to completely smash the ball everywhere. He's trying to slice it over backward point for six. If you get too close, he'll help it on the leg side. You know, he'll flat bat it through the offside, whatever he has to do. So every time he's coming down the wicket, it is very, very intentionally supposed to be an attacking shot. It's supposed to be a power shot and it is supposed to put off the batter. And I think all of these different skills at that time are coming together and i don't think it's a mistake that when he becomes the coach that this thing that maybe butler and and stokes were doing a little bit before becomes more regular within the team and it's not just mccullum i do think it is the wobble ball and the fact that people are pitching the ball up a little bit more because of that and the lbws and everything else but also the fact that mccullum has said if if someone is bowling to you in this way and you don't like the way they're bowling change the conversation right? Mm. And the best way of doing that is running down the wicket. It is changing the length. It is even backing away. You know, if they're bowling a really good line outside of stump and you don't have the room to slash the ball away, we'll stand outside leg stump and slash the ball away. And that's where I, f- I find the McCullum, uh, Mitchell thing so interesting from that perspective is that they are very, very different in the way that they go about these, these specific things. And I think from, from that uh, method, you know, the, again, it goes back to the what we were talking about before, you know, Oli Pope, Brooke, and Barbara Azam. Everyone's doing it to, well, not everyone, but a lot of players in you know, the last two to three years are doing this. And they're all doing it for slightly different reasons. Some are doing it to get easier boundaries. Some are doing it because they don't like the moving ball. Some are doing it because of the pace of the ball. Um, but everyone is essentially, in one way or another, trying to upset the line and the length of the bowler a little bit. And I think McCullum, for all of his skills his sort of main uh, ability really was to upset bowlers, right? Mm -hmm. Not let anyone bowl to him. And there were times in test matches where he batted very, very conventionally, right? And there were times Mm -hmm. in test matches where he batted completely unconventionally. And I think, again, that is one of the other things that we haven't probably discussed enough at the moment is that England are not just going hell for leather all the time. There are times when they are trying different methods and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not about attacking it's just about making small changes that actually help yeah that sounds about right and just on a closing note jared we
0: see that england are doing this you know quite effectively and other teams are catching on daryl mitchell is a great example you know new zealander but the aussies are coming to england and that makes this a very valuable or sort of interesting question that can they potentially employ this strategy versus england can they negate Broad and Anderson, given that they aren't express pace? Can they get them off their lens and perhaps, you know, get some valuable runs off of them, get them off of their plans and make hay while the sun shines, particularly because Jofra Archer is out injured and Mark Wood is fragile, so you don't have an out-and-out express pacer in England. So do you think that this... I haven't noticed the Australians shuffle,
1: doing it. I don't think that necessarily means that they haven't been doing it. And so I suppose what I would say then is... There's no reason why it shouldn't work against Anderson. And Mitchell was already doing it. And I, again, don't remember any other New Zealand batters trying it, but it's not to say that they weren't. I, I don't think it's a tactic that you necessarily need to do if you're already happy and making runs. If you've worked out a way to make runs in modern cricket, then obviously just continue to make runs in modern cricket. Um, perhaps, though, if you know Anderson starts to trap you, Uh, around the crease and maybe there's a couple of bolds or lbws or you're nicking off or whatever whatever it is if it's something that you can work on in the nets and i would hope that the australians would be looking at you know those kinds of you know i would hope australians and every other country is now looking at this it's not just an english thing although it's quite clearly a lot more england players doing it than anywhere else but i do think that any batter in the world now this should be another um skill that you should be doing the same that if you can, you know, you might bat on middle stump normally, but you want to practice batting on off stump and on leg stump, because there are going to be positions or opposition where that is a better way of doing it. And I think it's exact, this is a new, another part of the bow, you know, the ability to move late, but quickly and keep your head in, in a good position is something that you have to work on. And otherwise you probably get people coming down the wicket, sort of losing their head a little bit, you know, and making mistakes from that end. So Yes, I think the Australians should be practicing it, but I don't know if necessarily um, they need it for this particular Ashes or for any particular series. But we talked about Mohammad Abbas, we talked about Vernon Philander. I think Jimmy Anderson's another bowler that you would try this against. There are probably some bowlers you wouldn't. Mark Wood is a very good example of that. <laughs> I would, I would assume, but I think there are a lot of bowlers that you can use this against, and it will be interesting, as we talked about before, to see how players actually or how bowlers specifically start to fight back.
0: Yeah, well, we'll have our eyes locked on the ashes in that case. And I'll be keen to see if the Australians, you know, use this strategy or not. But thank you so much for your time, Jared. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you to everyone who is listening in. We'll catch you soon enough next week with episode four of Footmarks. That's all for today. Goodbye. Network.